0: Cinema soft, soft Under underbelly. underbelly. Hello, everyone. I'm Eugene Weaver. Welcome to another edition of Cinema Soft Underbelly, your place to find all things horror-related, uh, gore-related, uh, crazy, weird, bizarre. This is the place right here. And today's uh, today's movies that I'm going to be talking about are a bit more mainstream. However, they fall squarely into what this show is all about. And uh, beings we're getting closer and closer to Halloween, uh, I want to really focus on movies that people generally watch around, around this holiday. And beings I already covered my favorite movies from the actual Halloween series. I thought that today I would cover the Friday the 13th series. Uh, I'm going to work my way up from the first one. And at the very least I want to, I want to try and get through all of the paramount Friday the 13th, which those were kind of the, uh, the golden age of, of, the series before they went, the rights reverted to uh, New Line Cinema, and it they kind of went in a different direction. Uh, but I want to really focus on the Paramount ones and uh, what my personal favorites are, and maybe some of my personal favorite scenes, uh, and and all that good stuff. So uh, I'm just going to jump right on in and start with the first Friday the Thirteenth, and also uh, the information that I'm going to be giving here. It's just kind of my own little mini reviews of the movies. If you really want in depth discussions on these movies and how they were made from the actors uh from the makers of the movies all that stuff there is a a great blu-ray set out there called crystal lake memories and that it's hours upon hours upon hours of friday the 13th so that's what you should be looking into if you're interested in the history of friday the 13th series it covers all of them Uh, but for this Episode. It's going to be mainly just me giving my little mini reviews of the movies. So, without further ado, Part One, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part One was uh, it was released in 1980, and Friday the Thirteenth Part One is my favorite of all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Uh, it has what I so love about uh, the horror genre. It, it just everything about it works. Everybody's firing on all cylinders. It was back when the the slasher movie was such a hot property it just started uh, in fact halloween was kind of the one that ushered in the 80s slasher craze but friday the 13th is the one i think that really nailed everything that works in a slasher movie halloween was really good uh you know it was suspenseful scary and it had the you know the killings and a good killer and all that stuff but friday the 13th they upped the gore in it they upped the nudity they upped um, just everything seemed to be amped up. And I love the first movie. It's so good. And it's almost like Sean Cunningham, the director, um, maybe he didn't even realize it when he was doing it, but the way the camera is placed in the movie, it almost has a very, very odd sort of of uh, documentary-type feel to it. Just a little, just a little. And I, I think that's so cool. With just the way the camera is lingering in the woods, um, just the way everything was filmed. I think I think it was brilliant. And also, this is going to be spoiler-heavy. If you are watching, if you're listening to this show and you haven't watched the Friday the 13th, then shame on you, I'm going to be spoiling these movies. So just so you know that if you're not wanting to hear how these things go down, you may want to fast-forward or skip. Um, Friday the 13th Part 1, obviously, for most of you, you'll know that uh, Jason is actually not in the movie until the very, very end in a quasi dream sequence that did it happen? Did it not happen? Uh, But Friday the 13th part one was Jason's mom, Pamela Voorhees. She was the killer in the first one and uh, she was killing these camp counselors because her son was drowned because they were off doing their own thing, which their own thing would be promiscuous sex. So she's getting her revenge. Um, She's a great killer in the movie. Uh, It's a great twist on how it. You know, you're almost expecting it to be some some big dude, and it turns out to be this middle aged woman. I think that's great. Uh, Kevin Bacon was in this movie. This was, I believe, his first starring role in uh, in a movie. He does great in it. They all do. I liked every single character in the movie, uh, including uh, Crazy Ralph and the just. Goofball odd police officer that shows up on his motorcycle, and I am convinced that Eli Roth took that same concept uh, for Cabin Fever because there's this goofy cop in Cabin Fever, and it just feels like it's something like straight, straight out of uh, Friday the Thirteenth. So there's a little tidbit for you. Um, anyway, Friday the Thirteenth Part One has uh, fa- also fantastic music. Now, granted, I love the Halloween music. Uh, that's just iconic and classic. But Friday the 13th also has its own iconic music by Frank uh, Mancuso Jr. And not just the score, but actually the sound effects that begin in Friday the 13th and play through the entire series. They use the, and you know what it is, the ch that, that is so iconic, probably more so than any other horror movie I can think of. Uh, it's Everybody knows that. Uh, and it begins with this one. So, Friday the 13th Part 1 is a uh, great 80s horror. The Blu-ray is fantastic. It's uncut. There's some good special features on it. And when I say uncut, that's something else that I'm going to be touching on with these Paramount movies. That's the only one that actually is uncut with the entire, with the entire series. And that is uh, a source of great contention with a lot of fans, myself included, with these movies. Because the first one is quite graphic even in even today it it was gory uh, thanks to of course uh, Tom Savini and his awesome special effects uh, in fact a little tidbit here when uh, Pamela gets her head chopped off in the very end of the movie if you look really carefully you can see little toothpicks uh, sticking out of the 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 body as the head goes flying off and what it was it was just a you know, the magic of editing was just this dummy head laying on top of a body. And, you know, machete goes through and the head easily lobs off and blood squirts. But there's still, the, it was held on, the head was held on by little toothpicks. I think that's brilliant. Uh, that's something I would have loved to, to do. That just is cool. Uh, moving on. Friday the 13th Part 2. Of of course, Friday the 13th was a, was a huge hit, which led to Part 2. And Friday the 13th Part 2... Uh, I, would, uh, I would say this is probably tied with, as my second favorite of the Friday the 13th series. Uh, it was directed by Steve Miner, and because of the success of the first one, they, they banged this thing out in no time. Uh, that, one year later, it came out. In fact, you're going to be seeing a lot of these sequels, they were pumping out one after the other after the other, year after year after year. Uh, But part two being this was a success. They were like, how can we keep this story going? Uh, Mama got her head chopped off. Well, let's take the dream sequence from the end of part one and let's make so that Jason actually did survive. And now he's a grown man and he's going after the the camp counselor that chopped off his mom's head. Um, At this point, they've already jumped the shark. The the timeline is already way messed up because Jason is this big hillbilly dude, and uh, and in the first one at the very end, Jason is a little boy when he grabs when he grabs the the counselor and pulls her under in the canoe, and so it's like whoa. So did fifteen years just pass by because she's in the beginning of part two and she's like maybe a year older. So already the timeline's all messed up, but you don't watch these for continuity. You watch them because they're fun, and this one here is loads of fun. The pacing on this movie is breakneck, and I love that. I love that it's fast-paced. It's only about 85 minutes long, one of the shorter Friday the 13th movies. I like all the camp counselors in this. It has that... I'm going to be referring to the first couple Friday the 13th as the golden age of the slasher movie, which was kind of from 1980 to about 84. That was the golden age of the slasher when there was just they were pumping these things out one after the other after the other a lot of them weren't that terribly great but you know the top tier stuff was was fantastic and this is a prime example of top tier slasher from the 80s um they tried to up the gore quotient in this movie although that didn't work out because the mpaa uh officially started to chop these movies to bits well they, they didn't chop them to bits. They made the, the filmmakers themselves chop these things to bits. So there was a, a substantial amount of scenes. Almost every, every kill scene in this movie was chopped back. And you can tell. It, it feels it. Uh, there's you know, quick cuts away. There's a scene where on the back of the VHS, when this came out, uh, there's a couple of lovers on a bed. And they've got a big steel rod jammed through them. Nowhere to be found in the movie. It was completely cut out, and it was a big elaborate effect, and it would have been so cool, but it's gone. Uh, Upside-down throat slashing that was blinking, you'll miss it. Uh, machete to the face of some guy in a wheelchair, which is one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Is It's so, so, so quick. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but so it goes. That's just the way... That's just the way these movies are. And unfortunately, back in the day, when these things were being made, in 1981, there was no such thing as VHS or DVD or anything like that. And it was just theatrical and then television after a while, if you're lucky. And so these things were shot on film, and once they were cut, the the cut stuff was either thrown into a box or whatever they did with them, or pitched. And uh, for the longest time, us Friday the 13th fans were holding out hope that that there would be uncut versions of these movies that would see the light of day, and at this point, uh, it seems like this footage is lost. And by lost, I mean probably pitched and is is gone. Who knows? Maybe maybe some of this footage exists somewhere because I, last night I just watched *Nightbreed* for the first time—the the, uh, the director's cut—and that footage was thought to be long lost so who knows it you never know what might happen although paramount still has the rights to these and so them giving them up is going to be probably fairly uh, i would guess it's not going to happen and paramount is not going to be sinking tons of money into this series unfortunately even though they're cash cows so i don't get it but anyway uh, so it was cut but regardless it's still a fun movie very fun movie uh Ginny jenny uh, field she's the 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 hero of the story, and she's probably my favorite. Uh, end Friday the Thirteenth girl, she's just cool. Um, she just everything about her character works brilliantly. And uh, Crazy Ralph makes another appearance in this. He was in the first one. He doesn't last very long in this one, but he does make an appearance. Uh, but a- another big thumbs up on this one. Uh, it's it's probably my second favorite Friday the Thirteenth. So. And it was a success, a big success. Which means Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, and Part Three was also directed by Steve Miner. Came out in 1982, I believe, 82, 83, right? I, I think it was 82. This was 3D, and he. Uh, this is another interesting side note. The DVD and the uh, the DVD releases, or the DVD and the Blu-ray releases of this one, uh, have the the old school cardboard red and blue 3D glasses that you put on and it makes the image look horrible. Um, There was a lot of talk about, well, that's the way it was, that's the way it was shown in the theaters. No, it was not shown that way in the theaters. In the theaters, it was shown real deal 3D and it was made in real deal 3D, just like movies that are coming out now. So you wore the glasses and it was projected in 3D like that. Um, And, Here's the cool thing is I actually have a fan edit of this movie that someone actually took the Blu-ray and the DVD, I guess, and somehow made a version of it that is in real 3D. Um, So for myself, I have a 3D projector, so I actually set the the projector up correctly. I put on my 3D glasses and Friday the 13th Part 3 is in true 3D in full color instead of that odd blue-red tinted thing. And it's fantastic, and it's made for for this. And Paramount totally dropped the ball by not releasing this on Blu-ray in real 3D. Um, but oh well, I've got my own version of it, and it works brilliantly. Uh, but so much of the movie plays to the strength of the 3D, and without it, it it it's honestly it's a subpar Friday the Thirteenth movie. The acting is is really bad in this. And uh, but but again, that's part of this movie's charm. Actually, is after the the quite good acting in Part 2, the characters in this one just are, ugh. But I've grown to love them. I've grown to love the story and the, the cheesy biker gang that's in this thing. And we've, we've now gotten away from camp counselors, and now it's just a couple of uh, couple, a couple couples going to this farmhouse. And Jason is, of course, still alive, even after being killed in Part 2. He's still alive. This is the one that Jason gets his hockey mask. Uh, from Telly, the bumbling, chubby idiot, uh, another character that I love. Uh, he, he's so good in this. And, and watching, uh, watching him do interviews, he seems like a genuinely cool guy. And he actually is really funny. But um, anyway, this movie even had a, uh, a Crazy Ralph wannabe in it. Uh, that holds up someone's eyeball, and it holds it up right to the screen, and it's gross, and it's in 3D, and it's so cool. Uh, but uh, And this one here, actually, uh, they really did some different stuff with the ending, and I think it was, there were some reshoots, but Pamela Voorhees makes an appearance in the end of this as a worm-ridden corpse, and Jason shows up again after being uh, having an axe buried in his head and hung, He shows up, kind of, in a strange sort of way. And we went from Hillbilly Jason of Part 2, he looked like this mutant hillbilly, to Part 3 to where he's now starting to become a zombie. Uh, Ball-headed and he looks like a cross between... Not a cross, he looks like the Toxic Avenger, honestly. Um, So, anyway, uh, Part 3 was a huge hit because of the 3D and because it was still, you know, those golden days of horror, but part three was a gigantic success. And, uh, I like it for what it is. I watch it about once a year. I, I probably watch the first, the first three Friday, the 13th movies. I watch probably more than any of the other movies, even though there's a couple other really, really good ones in there. But for some reason, those, the first three, I just, I adore those things. Um, and even the, 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 funky disco music of part three it works so well and it's just i've grown to love it it's it's great part three also was was butchered they had stuff taken out of the movie although i don't think quite as much as part two i believe that there was there wasn't quite as much gore in in part three but obviously they, they cut back on you know all the killings but it wasn't as drastic as part two was Anyway, highly recommended. It. It's a great movie. Part four. Uh, this is the final chapter, directed by Joseph Zito. And Joseph Zito has done uh, other horror stuff back in the '80s, and uh, most of it is is quite good. In fact, I believe I believe that he directed The Prowler, which I really, really dug. The Prowler, um, another '80s slasher movie that is underseen and is is really is really really good. Tom Savini did the effects. Um speaking of which Tom Savini did the effects of the final chapter. Uh, he did not want to come back to the movie to the Friday the 13th series with part two because he's like, well what? Jason isn't alive. Jason's dead. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I guess he changed his mind after uh after the success of parts two and three, and on to uh part four he uh he went. And did a great job. And you can tell it's Tom Savini's special effects in that thing. And they, uh, from what I hear, they actually were able to get away with some more bloodshed in part four due to the fact that it was called the final chapter. And I guess the MPAA thought, okay, well, this is it. No more Friday the 13th. So we'll let them get away with a little bit more. We'll we'll leave a little bit more in. And there is, there is certainly more gore in the movie. Although there is, uh, all the killings seem to be cut. the, the, initial opening kill scene with the uh the morgue uh, attendant guy i guess and the nurse or whatever um it's gruesome but it's cut severely severely cut it could have been so much more and what I'm, what i'm reading is they did some great stuff in there um with the special effects with how they kill those two uh chris McGlover glover is in this one and he is Hysterical And just bizarro. He does this weird dance scene in it that has to be seen to be believed. It's great. Uh, and even his kill is, ugh, he gets a corkscrew th- through the uh, hand. And then he's hung outside. And Jason r- rips him off the door. It's, it's crazy. You should see it. It's good. Um, Corey Feldman also is in this one. And Corey Feldman is great. Uh, at least back in the day, Corey Feldman was awesome. Back in the Lost Boys days and Goonies. And, uh And all that stuff, and he was really, really good in part four too um, he's Tommy Jarvis. this is the official uh, introduction to tommy jarvis 's character arc, the story arc, which was went from part four to five, and six and uh in this one he's just a little boy, and him and his mom and his sister live in this house and house next door has a big party, and all these teenagers come to have sex and get killed by Jason. Because Jason is obviously not dead after Part Three, and uh, Corey Feldman's character actually uh, designs masks, and so that plays a part of this movie with with him uh, with him killing Jason. Uh, that all plays into the whole storyline, and it works really, really well. Uh, there's some comedic elements to this movie that work really good again with uh, Crispin Glover's character. You uh, have the usual, you know, pretty 80s blonde girls skinny dipping and the dorky doofy guys drinking and then here comes Jason and and there's some uh, some guy that just shows up that's, you know, he's a car mechanic type guy and he's a handsome dude and he hooks up with the girl and they, those two with Corey Feldman fight off Jason and all that good stuff. So, um Anyway, part four is fantastic, and part four was the last Friday the 13th that comes from the golden age of the slasher, in my opinion, because part five, we start to shift gears and the, the slasher movie starts to feel very different than what it did with the first four. Um, so part five is a new beginning. Danny Steinman was the director. And uh, this one has probably the best line of any Friday the 13th movie ever, and that's this shit box is gross. I love that line. It's great. And there's an outhouse in the movie and it plays a big part of, there's a big set piece with the outhouse and I love it. Um, and the guy is dressed up like Michael Jackson and you you just got to see it. But this one here is the one that kind of has Jason, but kind of not. Um, it's set in a mental institution type thing, but it's kind of a a, a home where they all live. And, um, uh, Tommy Jarvis is now an adult, and he's he's got issues, and so he goes to this house, and Jason starts. He, Jason shows up and starts killing people, but is it really Jason? No, it's not really Jason. Um, but that's okay. This is still a, another fun movie, uh, but part five definitely starts to feel different than the first four. Even the way it's the way it's shot, the the film. Looks different than it did with the first four. We're getting into the, uh, the hair metal time of the '80s, and it's, it's starting to feel like the hair metal horror, uh, which is a lot more che- I think is a lot more cheesy than the early '80s stuff. The hair is getting bigger on the girls, and the, the outfits that they're wearing are getting a lot more cheesy and a lot more just dated. Um and the music, everything about it is just and I love, love, love that scene in that era. That's that's when I started to uh you know, I was starting I was a teenager and so that's when I started to get into music and I started to get into the fashions and everything. So I understand it, but watching it as a historical piece, it's like oof boy, this is bad as far as the what people were wearing and listening to and all that stuff. Um I still really like the movie Corey Feldman makes an appearance in the beginning and the beginning is really cool. He's having a dream uh, of Jason coming back and it's a great scene. Um, However, it shifts from that to this, this mental institution place and uh, it's got the highest body count of all of the Paramount Friday, the 13th series. It's just every couple minutes, it seems like someone's getting killed. And because of that and because, uh, This was not the final chapter. This was a new beginning. I the MPAA was extremely hard on this movie. Extremely hard. Um, There was over a minute's worth of violent gore, violent stuff cut from the movie, and that may not seem like a lot, but it actually is a ton because if every every kill is, you know, in the movie only a split second or one second and they removed five to 10 seconds. That's a lot of stuff that was cut out. And you can tell because other than, um, some bad language and there is some nudity in this, obviously there is in all the Friday the 13th. This could have almost been PG 13. That's how much stuff they cut out of this, of this movie. Um, and there was a, I guess there was a sex scene towards the end of the movie that was pretty extreme. And that one, it got completely butchered. Um, so it's just, it's very, very unfortunate, especially with the special effects and whatnot, that these movies just you're just, you're stuck with these heavily edited versions that feel so watered down. Especially part five because there's a good movie in there, cheesiness and all, but it's it's so diluted with no real good bloodshed or anything that would, that's what makes these movies so good that that it just dilutes it to where it's like, ugh, oh, come on. Um, but anyway, I still enjoy it. Uh, there's a there's a lot of comedy gold in this thing, um, and it's it's the beginning of the uh, 80s hair metal slasher feel. That was part five. Part six nails it. Uh, part six is great. That's if parts one and two are my uh, even parts one, two, and three are my favorites. Part six is right there neck and neck with with them. Um, I love part six, Tom. Uh, McLaughlin, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Sorry if I butchered it. Came out in 1986. Alice Cooper had some songs on the movie. And there is some definite uh, self-referential comedy in it. And it works so, so, so good. Uh, Almost like 10 years before Scream came out, Jason Lives did it. And it works so good. Um, Even with the the cheesy 80s feel to it, It's just cool, and it's more of an. They they up the action in it. This is still the Tommy Jarvis character. This is the last one with Tommy Jarvis, but he's out of the loony bin, and um, he's going back to make sure that Jason is dead for sure. Well, in the process, he sticks a big, uh, big spike in Jason in his coffin, and lightning strikes, and of course, it brings him back from the dead as, um, as zombie Jason, and now he's officially zombie Jason, and he looks great. He looks awesome now. He's just this big wrestler dude looking badass and stomping through the woods. But I like all the characters in this thing. I like the fast-pacedness of it. It still gets butchered by the, by, by the ratings board. So all the kills are cut way back. There is some footage of Part 6, uh, VHS footage of some of the violent scenes cut. So at least you get to see what could have been Whereas the other ones, it, you, nothing, but at least part six, there is some, there, there is some footage that you can watch, but it's great. And it ends with, uh, you know, a big showdown in the lake by Crystal Lake. And, um, there, this one here actually has a bunch of kids that the kids actually are at the camp and which it, I like that they, they did that added thing with that, that, Hey, there's actually kids here. And it makes it even more dangerous, um, but one kid to the other, they're hiding underneath their beds, and they know that something shady is going on outside. And the one kid says to the other one, "So, what were you going to be when you grew, when you grew up?" And I just I love that. Those little comic beats in the movie are great. Um, another another ending to where it's like, nope, Jason isn't dead yet. And and I love I love how it ends. Uh, you should see it if you haven't seen part six. It's a great ending, uh, followed by awesome. Alice Cooper song from the eighties, and that is one of my favorites especially of the the post golden age uh Jason movies like one two, three, and four that is definitely the best one part six um, moving on part seven directed by john carl beakler uh that was that was from nineteen eighty eight and um this one here was edited more so than almost any... I think this one in Part 5 got, got edited more than any other Friday the 13th movie. And uh, John Carl Beekler has gone on on the record as stating he thinks that they were extra hard on him because he is an effects guy. And there were some seriously elaborate effects in this movie, all of which were cut. Everything was cut. Um, this one here truly is a PG-13 rated movie with a little bit of nudity thrown in. Um, which is just... It's such crap because there's a good movie in there it's shot very very well i like the characters this is the uh this is the quote-unquote carrie versus jason movie this is the one where with the girl with the psychic powers um and she takes on jason she actually brings him back from the dead because something or other she she, she kills her dad by crystal lake and he drowns and then she tries to bring him back with her psychic powers well she brings jason back and so he has to kill a bunch of Yet again, a bunch of teenagers in a house next door to where she lives with her mom, or she's with her mom in this shrink that's trying to help her out, and I'm giving you a very, very basic storyline synopsis here, but they're all essentially the same. But this is the first one that actually features Mr. Kane Hodder as Jason, the best Jason thus far, Uh, and I haven't focused... At all on the actual the actual actors that have played Jason before Kane Hodder, they all they all bring something to the table. They all have their own unique take on Jason character, but Kane Hodder is the perfect badass. He's huge, menacing, and the, the way that they make Jason look, especially in this one, uh, with just his his spinal cords showing, he's just gross and huge. And menacing, more, much more menacing than the other Friday the Thirteenth. Um, so this was Kane Hodder's first role as Jason. But again, it's so cut. There's Jason runs around with a weed eater in this thing. Um, there's so much that was cut out. Actually, there was a scene where he uh, takes a girl in a sleeping bag and starts smashing her onto it onto a tree. That was heavily cut. A couple of these scenes have found their way onto bootleg VHS, as like old degraded. VHS quality, but again, you know, everybody says, "Oh, you know, the the film elements are lost," which is it's just so sad. Um, but I still like Part Seven, although it's because it's so edited, it's it, it really really hinders that movie. It truly does. Uh, last one I'm going to touch on for today uh, with the Paramount Jason movies is uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, directed by Rob Heaton. This um, was made in 1989 last movie to be shot in the 80s for the Friday the 13th series, and uh, here you can definitely tell that the the styles and the fads of the 80s were starting to get long in the tooth. This is like, you know, this is right right before Nirvana was going to hit it big and the landscape for music and the whole culture would change, and it was just feeling very dated already, and just the the styles were extra bad in this, the music was extra bad, it was just really cheesy, and Part 8 is way too long. It's like an hour and almost an hour and 45 minutes, and it's it's way too long. Jason takes Manhattan. Well, he doesn't actually take Manhattan until the very end, and Manhattan actually happens to be Vancouver, and you can tell they're not in Manhattan. Uh, I think there may have been a couple scenes that were filmed in Manhattan, but it was a jip. Most of the movie is set on this big ocean liner that's sailing towards Manhattan, and how Jason gets from a lake, a crystal lake, to this big... Ocean Liner is beyond me, but, you know, again, Suspension of Disbelief is a Jason movie. Uh, but it's the same old, same old bunch of teenagers on the on the cruise ship. They're getting killed by Jason in not-too-gory ways because it was heavily edited, as usual. This one here, though, I don't believe it was quite as edited as some of the other Friday the 13th movies, mainly because there wasn't a ton of gore in the movie to begin with. Um, but a movie that's this bad... Should have upped the gore and cut back on a lot of the riffraff and character, de- barely character development, but just it, it should have got on with it a lot quicker. Um, so it's unfortunate. Um, this is probably not probably this is easily my least favorite of the Friday the 13th movies from Paramount, if not the entire series. It's it's a chore to get through. There's a couple good scenes on it, there's a boxer that's on the cruise ship and he he's one of the lucky ones to make it off the ship towards the end when they're actually in quote unquote manhattan and uh he gets his head punched off by jason and that's kind of a cool scene Uh, but even jason himself again played by kane hodder he doesn't look near as cool as he did in uh uh in part seven uh the new blood he looks i don't know he's really soggy and wet most of the time. and mean, that's, that's okay. They, go, they went a different route, but it just doesn't quite work, especially when he was this pro wrestler from from New Blood. It's all of a sudden he's this, meh, just didn't work. So not much of Part 7, or I'm sorry, not much of Part 8 works. Uh, but for completists, you're still going to want to watch it because it's a Friday the 13th movie. So anyway, that's the Friday the 13th movie from Param, the, the series from Paramount. Uh, there's something in them all that is at least enjoyable, but there's a couple that are really hard to get through. But for the most part, they're all really, really good movies. Uh, great examples of the slasher movie from back in the 80s. I highly recommend if you're getting into into horror movies from the 80s, watch them all and enjoy them all to a certain extent. Trust me. They're all interesting, especially if you know the backstory on them. So, uh, And I've already... I'm, I'm pushing my time here, so I'm going to get going. Uh, make sure that you... Listen to us over on uh, Movie Freaks. Just go over to YouTube, type in Movie Freaks Podcast, and we'll pop up. And uh, we always have a good time on the show, my my uh, co-host Eric and I. And, um, of course, Cinema Sidekicks. I mention them on all my shows because uh, they're also talking movies, and they're uh, great to listen to. So you can get a hold of me at Eugene-Weaver at Hotmail.com. I'd love to hear your comments, your questions. if uh, Especially from Friday the 13th, if there's – if there's a uh, any tidbits that you'd like to share with me, I'd love to hear them because I, I love talking Friday the 13th. This is a great series. No matter what, no matter what um, the MPAA has done with them, I still enjoy this series. And maybe down the road I might actually get into the New Line Cinema Jasons and the direction that, they're going, that they went with those, but I just wanted to mainly focus on the old-school Paramount ones. So anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.